Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Salutations to all of my planeswalkers throughout the multiverse. It is nothing short of inspiring to see that you have joined us here in the Unlucky Lounge for another episode of Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master and dude between the different planes, as I'm joined as always by my best buddy, sidekick, and bartending bear friend. His name is Borok. Borok, how are you doing today? Yeah, Borak, I know how you feel, but I think it's also important for us to continue on. But with that in mind, we here at the Unlucky Lounge in Historic Monoscrew Manor, we want to wish everyone a healthy, prosperous, and safe week, no matter where you call home in the multiverse. But with that in mind, that does not mean that there still isn't breaking magic news and things to celebrate. And so, here today, we are going to be talking about a rather mysterious post made by one Mark Rosewater and what it just might mean for the future of our next set coming out. That, of course, being Ikoria Lair of Beasts. We're going to dig into a particularly juicy post on his blog at all. But before we do, a few bits of housekeeping as always. This podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out wherever you download podcasts or at their website. That is BLEAV.com for great podcasting content. And of course, the way the state of the world is, now's a good time as any to pick up a few extra shows to listen to, help you in your work from home, pass by some of those waning hours, and of course, find those small little ways to keep putting those smiles on our faces. And of course, we want to see all of you join us in the socials at Twitter, Draft and Draft Corey, on my Instagram, Corey Demon Enriquez, and of course, if you find some joy, we'd love to have you join us on our Patreon draft and draft an mtg podcast that's where you can find us be part of our unlucky lounge community and help us keep the lights on around here well that's enough with our housekeeping the sorcerer's broom is put back into the conjurer's closet and the time is ticking away folks we are almost ready to bid theros beyond death adieu and i can barely imagine it we just got the set, our podcast was hopping, we were looking at spoiler seasons left and right. Borak, we were having a great time looking at those coming cards. Yep, that's right. Sometimes, Borak, you put things in just the most succinct terms. But every few months or so, it comes around. Me and my friends gathering upon the light of the screen constantly refreshing trying to find the newest little bits of information on the coming magic set and it's nothing short of what we like to call christmas time it is the most wonderful time of year and as magic players we get like four to five christmases in a year every spoiler season it's like a new gift given to us under the magic 
tree. You open up Mythic Spoiler or the main Magic web page, MTG Salvation, whatever your preferred web page is, but a whole wave of new cards are revealed. Cards that are soon to grace our draft sleeves or maybe even perhaps make their way into our commander decks. And since it is so near, Mr. Mark Rosewater has left us a little bit of a mystery in a recent blog talk post, which leads me to some individual predictions that I want to put out there on the line. So here in the Lucky Lounge, I'm going to play Nostracori and see if I can't predict some things that are coming down the pipeline in the coming set of Ikoria Lair of Behemoths. So without further ado, I'm happy to present my top six takes. But before we get into our list, wherever you are, Magic community, I want you to raise a toast, raise a glass, no matter what you're drinking. Let's celebrate ourselves, our good health. It's time for the untap step. That's right, my unlucky lounge rats. Today's drink is a nice coffee because, you know, it's okay to take it easy every once in a while. So if you have yourselves a nice warm cup of whatever, sit back, relax, and enjoy our top takes. Maybe add some clue to it. Let's call it a player's choice. <laughs> well, without any further ado, allow me to give you my top six blog-a-tog Ikoria predictions. Number six. I think that Ikoria is going to feel very reminiscent to the old limited format that was Rise of Eldrazi. Now for all my unlucky lounge rats out there who played all the way back in original Zendikar days, you'll know that Rise of Eldrazi is a very unique pretty princess in the picture of draftable formats. We just came off of Zendikar, arguably one of the fastest limited sets ever created. We then had World Wake, which brought us some pretty iconic cards, Stoneforge Mystic and Jace the Mind Sculptor. But then came Rise of Eldrazi. It was a single, standalone set. Still, of course, set in the plane of Zendikar, but this was an event set. The Eldrazi had broken out of the Hedron, and they were running amok all throughout the plane. That's right, I use the word amok, and it is appropriate, because this limited format kind of took everyone by storm. It was slower. It was a build-up over time. You were playing creatures that were getting you smaller little spawns to make more mana. And I think this little kind of build-up over time feel is going to be what we might see out of at least one of the draftable formats in Ikoria. The idea of behemoths, large creatures, some of the hinted at mechanics from the blogatog post make me believe that this could be something that we are in store for. But let's zoom on our perspective for a second. What just happened in recent history? We had War of the Spark, a particular event set with a very unique framing, the Planeswalker set. Then we had Throne of Eldraine, an amazing top-down design. We went back to Theros, and now I think we're primed to paint the picture of a new plane that not only has a unique feel and different mechanics than things we've probably ever seen before, but also set it in a way that we can look back into the past and say, wow, this is very much like this thing that I used to know. 
that thing of course being the Rise of Eldrazi limited format. And I'm hoping that all of this is going to lead to a breath of fresh air in how we are looking at our limited play. I mean, when Rise of Eldrazi came out, it was a big deal. It was a single standalone set that was drafted by itself. This is really something that hadn't been done in quite some time. You could maybe argue the core sets did it, but I think that Rise of Eldrazi is kind of almost like a wayfinding point or a marker in magic design when they looked at it and said, wow, this was successful, it was new, it was standalone, and it's something that we should be doing in the future. Conclusion. This is to say, I think we're going to be casting some big creatures in a uniquely feeling Magic Limited format. Number 5. I think we might see some significant play of card effects from the Exile Zone. One of the lines of text from Morrow's post was that there would be a card that says, Remove 8 Foreshadow Counters. Now, if I'm thinking in a top-down kind of element, a foreshadow counter is obviously alluding to something that's happening in the future. Hence, the same thing that I talked about before, about us seeing change over time. With that in mind, I could totally see the way that we've really been setting up with the increased complexity of cards, that something goes to the exile zone and then has foreshadow counters things that allow it to have effect from the exile zone or maybe is part of the cost of the card in itself. Now you might immediately think, well, didn't we already do this in Time Spiral with Suspend with some questionable complexity? And in some ways, that's kind of true. I mean, being a Paper Magic player, I can't tell you the number of times that I've missed removing a time counter in my upkeep step. But I still think there's something to this idea of foreshadow counter that is really lingering with me. That makes me believe it's going to be a significant mechanical uniqueness to this set. Just as when we look with Theros Beyond Death, we think escape as such a way of defining what the set is about. With a foreshadow counter, who knows? But I love the idea of over time, this card changes. Maybe it gets exiled and you get to use its effects from the exile zone and once all the counters are gone then it enters as a creature think of it kind of like effect first before creature or maybe it's that creature coming into play after time Ooh, it's coming but you know with less silly squirrels from the unsets but i do love the infernal spawn family and if the infernal spawn family actually can call ikoria its home the more the better I mean, it is now public knowledge that the creature types in this set are going to be quite unique. And speaking of creature types... Number 4. Multiple creature types will be particularly relevant in this set. Not in a tribal sense, but instead the idea of having multiple creature types on a singular card as being a relevant mechanic. Now, I know I said it before that squirrels are a bit silly, but I love silliness. Who doesn't mind a little bit of, you know, Monty Python-esque humor in the middle of your day? I'm all for it. And we know already that there are a number of unique creatures that are coming into Ikoria, such as Dinosaur Turtle, Elemental Otter, a Nightmare Turtle, and even Squirrels. That's right, folks we're going to see squirrels in Black Border. And I believe that Gavin Verhe also spoiled just this morning that we are going to see dinosaur cats. Be still our beating hearts. <laughs> 
but further evident but further evidence of this can be found in Morrow's podcast Drive to Work. He mentioned during his card by card set breakdown of Theros Beyond Death that creature tokens being both a human and a warrior was something unique for what they did in Theros, not because of Theros, but for what was to come. Typically, they keep it to either human or warrior or soldier, just one creature type, but now we see two. The last time this happened was in the Lorwyn block, when the fact that it was both an elf and a warrior made it relevant for both Lorwyn and for Morningtide. This is going to come into play in Ikoria. If a creature has more than one creature type do X, it's almost a wider breadth form of tribal, in the same way that they did so in Eldraine with the humans and the non-humans. We're really honing in on how to exactly make tribal things work and enable them in a larger sense of the whole set. One of the problems with, say, Lorwyn Draft, or in the same way, and I've mentioned it before, Ravnica, is that you get locked into an archetype when you go into a tribal element or a two-color deck. Once you're there and you find your lane, you gotta kinda stay there, and there's not a lot of wiggle room. And in modern sets, it doesn't fly as well. You have to be able to audible and go into a different archetype if it's not open, especially if there's a finite level of different types of things that you can draft. In Ikoria, I imagine the thing that is going to be more relevant is the fact that if you have more than one creature type on that text line, the excitement of having two different weird types together I think is going to make for some unique magic card design. Well okay then Borak if you want to have another creature type if you could have any other creature type what would you like to be? Wait so you're saying in your ideal world you would like to be an aetherborn bear centaur? Borak, that is a very unique combination. Aetherborn Bear Centaur. That was a pretty big stretch there, Borak, for an alphabet pun. Our quality of entertainment, folks. <laughs> but, in any case, maybe Borak will live out his dreams of being an Aetherborn Bear Centaur, and that comes with my next top prediction, but before we get to that, let's talk about that elephant in the room. The world is going out in a mad dash to get your supplies stocked up, but guess what? If you are like me, an unlucky lounge rat, you know that lounging and getting your food can be one and the same with Omaha Steaks. And right now, they are announcing a stock-up sale. For a limited time, head on over to omahasteaks.com and you can stock up on steaks, seafood, chicken, pork, burgers, easy-to-make meal, desserts, and the good news is you don't have to break your social distancing. Everything is flash-frozen, vacuum-sealed, and safely delivered in a cooler with dry ice. And hey, if you're bored, you might just be able to use that dry ice for science experiments. Science experiments not officially endorsed by omahasteaks.com. Regardless, head on over to omahasteaks.com, enter into the search bar the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive free shipping on your orders of $69 or more. So lounge and relax to the max with Omaha Steaks. 
And we are back to our top takes for the coming Ikoria Lair of Behemoth. Let's get right back into it. Number three. I believe that Ikoria is going to bring unto us the black bordered equivalent of the unstable mechanics host and augment. Now, hear me out. We know that the unsets are made for cards that can't be done in black bordered. Every single silver border card is supposed to be something that is just a little bit outside of the realm of possibilities for black border. Which is for the most part true, but there is evidence in the past of cards making it from the unsets into black bordered products. And I think that Ikoria is going to be their first foray into taking a mechanic that was a ton of fun to draft and a lot of fun to play and trying to bring it into a standard-like format. I think there's actually a lot of evidence that's leaning into this being true. And it might just be a little bit conspiracy theory-esque. So buckle up, folks. Let's go ahead and get our X-Files on. Let's get into the mind of Fox Mulder and unravel this conspiracy. So, first off, before Ikoria, what was the most recent printed magic product for purchase? Well, the answer is the unsanctioned head-to-head -head unglued in the box product. And inside of that, it brought us back that host and augment mechanic. It's reminding the consumer, it's refreshing them on how you combined a host creature with an augment creature to create a mother kangaroo that's also a half bat. It's no coincidence that this came out right before Ikoria. It helps us remind of where these mechanics come from so that when we pivot and do it in black border, it has a resonance pivot point. It just makes sense. But more evidence of what is to come in Ikoria comes in a particular individual card. It's known as Surgeon slashed out general commander let me read it for you it's three and a green for a legendary creature wombat bat chameleon look it's got multiple creature types coincidence i think not it's a three three with the text that reads whenever you augment enchant or mutate a creature you control draw a card and then has an ability to tap for any color of mana this is a hint for what's to come in Ikoria. It's putting the coming mechanic of mutate alongside the idea of augmenting and enchanting creatures. There is something that's building inside of here that's showing us it's all interconnected. And look at the last standard set, Theros Beyond Death. That was an enchantment-based set with auras abound. There is no coincidence here. It's all being built into one entire system. Which leads me back to something that was said in our previous episode. The lack of bestow in Theros. I love that mechanic. It's complicated and sometimes it's a bit hard to understand. However, don't you believe that R&D would make sure that bestow does not appear alongside one of its coming featured mechanics, that being mutate? It makes complete sense. Make sure that the rules interactions are cleaned, especially when it comes to creating a standard and pioneer-based constructed format. It cleans it up and makes everything reasonable 
and leads us down a path that we can have fun, engaging play while building in two sets previous. But what about in the blog talk post itself? It says that there's a card with the text, X is the number of times this creature was mutated. What could that mean? Maybe it's not just two creatures combining onto itself. Maybe it's multiple creatures. You could have the Wombat Bat Chameleon. You could have a Nightmare Squirrel that is also half, I don't know, Cephalid. We could maybe see some kind of crazy, weird merger of creature types that we've never seen before. Think of the weirdness that was Eldritch Moon, but amped up to 11. This is Spinal Tap. Borok, you are undoubtedly the scully to my molder. And that's adorable. Number two. This set is going to dip into themes of time, nature, and the liminal in-between space. Now, take an inventory of some of the things we already saw from the Blogatog post. Four shadow counters. There was a thing that said four more times this game. And there was another creature type that was spoiled. And that is the Brushwag creature type. But where have we seen this creature before? It was in the convention edition of the Mystery Booster Packs. It was a playtest card, Interplanar Brushwag, the 6-4 Vigilant Haste that enters the Interplanar Battlefield. This concept of an Interplanar Battlefield, it reaches back into what we were talking about before, ideas of the future, how time can change our surroundings, mutate it, adapt it to what's going on, creating visions between creatures and elements. I think we're leading into something that's going to look very different, look very weird, but we also have to see now that it's painting a larger picture, and that is the fact that we have to look at all the hints coming at us, coming from the playtest cards, coming from the unsets. It's all leading to what the future of magic needs to be. It has to be more than just what the tabletop game is. I love person-to-person play. I love the interactivity of it, but we also have to think about how we can make the game look 10, 20 years down the line. We're opening design space that has never been seen before. The inclusion of an interplanar battlefield, where maybe the foreshadow counters can draw from. We're looking at the exile zone in different ways. Take a look at our adventure cards from Eldraine. All of this is leading to new, different play design space that's not just being accommodating for paper, but also for digital magic. Think about all the potentiality that could be coming out of creating these unique licensings, these unique ways of seeing the game. I'm willing to bet that some of these off-the-wall things are leading to some truths. Maybe we'll see an exclusive digital product that can only be played on a digital playing field because of the way some of the cards interact. Maybe we're going to see different zones and different ways of reaching into those zones. I look forward to seeing what Ikoria might hint at us in the future and the way that the game is going to be designed and is going to be played. And my number one prediction for Ikoria Lair Behemoths it goes tomorrow's final posed teaser before he got to the creature types, which reads as such. A cycle 
players have been asking for for over 10 years. What this could be haunted me. It followed me wherever I went. And after all this torment, after all of the questions and the deep diving and searching the corners of the internet and my own mind, I think I might have an answer to this prompt. But what that answer is, well, my unlucky lounge rats, you're going to have to hold on to find out, folks. That's right. It's our very first cliffhanger here in Draft and Draft. In my next episode, released in just a little bit of time, it's going to be a mini episode where I take a deep dive into this one little teaser to find out what it might mean. And trust me, when this mini episode comes out, it might just be a gift given to all of you unlucky lounge rats. Well, that, folks, brings us to the end of our episode. And as always, we want to know what you think. Do my predictions seem like they are in the realm of possibilities? Or perhaps they deserve to go to the back of the lair where they can gather dust with all the other spoils? Let me know. Find me on Twitter, Draft and Draft Corey, my Instagram, Corey Dimon Enriquez, or of course, locate our Patreon, Draft and Draft, an MTG podcast. And while you're at it, Check out Believe.com for their great content to help you whittle away the hours as you're looking at the walls of your house over and over and over again. I promise they'll be much more interesting with a few of their podcasts in your ear holes. Yeah, Borak, I didn't like how that sounded either. Well, I found the bottom of my cup of coffee, and so we've reached the end of our episode. Once more, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you on our next episode of Draft and Draft. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.